1: After his crucifixion and after his resurrection, he ascended forty days later from that very spot. And the Bible tells us in Zechariah, incidentally, that when he returns in his second coming, physically to the earth, he's going to come in that very same spot. And and we'll look at that today. But Jesus, in this Matthew twenty-four, gives us a chronological view of what's going to happen during this tribulation period, of which Revelation chapter six will be the beginning of. Praise.
0: How can I ever say that? Welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. In today's lesson, Pastor Rob will take us on a journey of the Bible that supports the coming of God's wrath on this world. In the book of Matthew, chapter 24, Jesus gives a sermon called the Olivet Discourse. This sermon is a prophecy from Jesus telling us what to expect as the last days approach. As Pastor Rob reviews these things, we should also be looking and paying attention to the current events and how much it is similar to what Jesus has predicted. Lord, thank you for your word that gives us a look into the future so that we can prepare. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study.
1: And then, after his crucifixion, what happened in 70 AD, some 35 years later? The Romans came. The people of the prince that shall come. So the Romans came. The Romans came and destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD. And you remember in the book of Daniel, remember Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of this golden image, of this large image where the head of the image was gold and the chest and the arms was made of silver and the middle part was made of bronze and then uh, legs of... uh, Iron, and then iron mixed with clay. And Daniel later on, uh, in Daniel chapter 7, he tells us who those Those different personages were, and Babylon was certainly the world empire with the head of gold, and then the Medo-Persian empire were the ones who came after and conquered Babylon. And then Greece, under Alexander the Great, came after them, and then Rome came after them, and that was the period when uh, Jesus was alive on the earth. The Romans were still in power until 476, when the fall of Rome happened. But it also speaks of, finally, another world kingdom that hasn't yet risen up, and that was the very... The the clay mixed with the iron, the iron mixed with clay, this last part, the very legs, the very bottom of the legs of this image that he saw. And that is a revived, we believe, a revived Roman Empire yet to come upon the earth, of which the Antichrist, the man of sin, will be the head over. Does that make sense? We've kind of talked about that in, in, in the past. So notice verse 27 in Daniel. It says, Then he... And this he that he's speaking of is the Antichrist. Again, not the, you know, everyone thinks that he they got this personage of him. But he is going to be a smooth talker. He's going to be a, a probably a good looking guy. And he's not going to be ultimately the man of sin until midway through the tribulation period. He is going to be wounded. We'll see that in a few minutes. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but notice what it says. Then he, this antichrist shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Here's our word again. It means week of years. So that's seven year period. That's the period that we're talking about right now. That's the period where revelation six begins this week of years. It's called Daniel's 70th week because we're here in Daniel and he's saying on this And this week, in the middle of this 70th week, 69 have already taken place. This last week of years, this last seven-year period will commence. And it won't commence until we are removed. But when it happens, the Antichrist, this man who's going to solve the world's problems, and everyone's going to look up to, he is going to allow the Jews to rebuild their temple in Jerusalem. Think of that. Right now, there's a mosque. It's going to take a real smooth talker to be able to allow the Jewish temple to be built alongside that mosque. Wouldn't you agree? Does that sound like World War III to you? But this man's going to be able to do it. The church will be removed, so there'll be, there'll be, there'll be very little resistance. The church won't be going, you can't do that. But in the middle of this week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So this Revelation 6 begins at the beginning of the tribulation period, the 70th week of Daniel, when the Antichrist makes the covenant with Israel and gives them their temple. Does that make sense? He, make, he confirms a covenant with them for a week. In the beginning, he gives them the ability to build their temple. And then right in the middle of that week, it says in Daniel, in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. Why? Because he is going to set up an image of himself. And all of a sudden, his true colors are going to be known. But it'll be too late. It'll be too late. In fact, uh, when we've gone to Israel in times past, we've gone to the Temple Institute, and it's a really wonderful place there in the old city in the Jewish quarter. And you walk in and they're they're ready to go. They've got all the instruments ready for this next temple that's gonna be built. And I remember, you know, going on a tour with Bill Gallatin and Scott and Pastor Jeff, and I remember people putting in money in this thing. They were accepting donations for the you know the building of this thing. And they, they said, Don't put any money in. You can do what you want, but I would encourage you not to. Well, why is that? This is the temple. He's like, Do you know who that temple's gonna be inhabited by? The very next temple is going to be the one that the Antichrist is going to desecrate. Does that make sense? So why contribute to it? <laughs> right? So everyone starts putting their hand back in the thing and everybody got put in jail I'm, I'm only kidding. So turn with me to Matthew now in matthew twenty four this is a these two passages that we're going to be looking at today are really the two of the most significant passages. Daniel being perhaps one of the most significant, if not the key to it all, because he really gives the the blueprint, if you will, of what's going to happen. And the Lord gave it to him through the angel Gabriel. And you know, when I think about Books like Genesis, and books like Daniel, and books like Revelation, the critics and unbelievers who are really antagonistic toward the gospel, they really hate those three books specifically. Because if you can remove prophecy, and if you can remove the fact that God created in the beginning, you've removed a lot. Significant stuff, right? So these... Three books are probably one of the most important books in all of the Scripture, and they're the most attacked out of all the books of the Bible. Genesis and Daniel. Daniel is amazing, what God had shown him. Way beyond his years, even yet future to us, going all the way to the end. It's amazing. It's amazing. But let's look in uh, Matthew chapter 24, because remember, Jesus is speaking to his disciples uh, let me go there really quick. Matthew 24, go there with me. Uh, look at verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to him, do you, know, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And Jesus, obviously, speaking of, prophesying of the time, 35 years approximately from that time, that the temple would be destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. Daniel told us about it, didn't he? We just read it just a few minutes ago. He would, the, that temple would be destroyed. But Jesus gives us, in Matthew 24, it's a very Jewish section of Scripture. He's speaking to the Jews. The church is not mentioned here in Matthew 24 because it's very Jewish in nature. And he's speaking to his disciples who are Jews. And they call it the Olivet Discourse. And the reason they call it the, that is because he's preaching to them on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is just to the east of the Temple Mount. There is a valley, the Valley Kidron Valley. There's a stream that goes through there. It's not there today. But um, right around up, up on that valley toward the east, right next to it, is the Mount of Olives, where Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, you recall. It's also the place that he ascended after his resurrection. Or after his uh, crucifixion and after his resurrection, he ascended 40 days later from that very spot. And the Bible tells us in Zechariah, incidentally, that when he returns in his second coming physically to the earth, he's going to come in that very same spot. And And we'll look at that today. But Jesus in this Matthew 24 gives us a chronological view of what's going to happen during this tribulation period. Of which... Revelation chapter 6 will be the beginning of. So, the first half of this great tribulation period, 7 divided by 2 is 3.5, right? So, the first 3.5 years, Jesus tells us in verse 4 through 14. Let me read it for you. You can just write these down, but I'll read it. Matthew 24, 4 through 14, the very first half of the great tribulation. And Jesus answered and he said to his disciples, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And we're going to see that in the first seven seals of revelation at the very least. He says, all these." these are the beginning of sorrows, meaning these are the beginning. These are the birth pangs. These, these are like the spasms that a woman would have when she's pregnant and coming close to being delivered. And then he says in verse 9, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you shall be hated by all nations for my name's sake, the Jews. And then you will be offended, and, uh, and then many will be offended, and will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up, And deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end shall come. So Jesus gives us uh, a snapshot of what that first three and a half year period is going to be like. And this corresponds to Revelation chapter 6 through chapter 9, roughly. Okay, And so as we look at this, Jesus is giving us this idea. So Revelation 6 through 19 is really this first half of the tribulation. And then he goes on in the very next verse, in verse 15. And this is really what we call the midpoint of the great tribulation. This is where we find the Antichrist really coming to to his own, being empowered by Satan himself, desiring to be worshipped in a temple. That midpoint is really uh, Revelation 10, chapter 10 through chapter 15, roughly. And Jesus tells us what's going to happen in that midpoint of the great tribulation period. Right in the center of this seven-year period, in verse 15, he says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, we read that just a few minutes ago, didn't we? this image that the antichrist is going to set up in a in a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem he says when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place whoever reads let him understand then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains let him let him who is on the housetop not go down and take anything out of his house and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days and pray that your flight be not in the, in the winter or on the Sabbath. Because mobility will be very difficult. Mobility will be very difficult. He says, when you see this abomination that makes desolate in the holy place, don't even go back to your homes. Flee. Flee. Get out of town. In Revelation chapter 12, in the first six verses, it speaks about this too. It says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then, being with child, and this is speaking of Israel as a nation, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, who we know as the, the devil himself, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. These are, fall, these are uh, fallen angels or demons and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born and she bore a male child who we know as jesus who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to god and his throne we know that happened in his death and his resurrection then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has set up a place prepared by god that they should feed her and there 1260 days which is 42 months which is three and a half years. And who are these people, these Jews? They are going to be preserved in the rock city of Petra, we believe. You can visit that place today, and it's, it's an, nearly impregnable. I've never been there. I can't wait to go there someday, if the Lord wills. But many people have stored scriptures inside the walls of this cavern that goes way back, and I've never been there, but I've heard of it. And the Jews will hide there from the Antichrist for safety. And God is going to prepare that for them. You can read Isaiah chapter 63, verses 1 through 6. It talks about the Lord uh, going and protecting them and, and um, preserving them. We also know that during this midpoint, the Antichrist is killed. There's going to be a wound that's going to he's going to receive. And he's going to die. He's going to, literally going to die. And miraculously, he is going to be raised to life. But instead of the Spirit of God indwelling him, there is one who is going to indwell him. Satan himself. Not a demon. Satan himself. Do you understand the difference? Satan himself. Not a demon. He is going to be the best speaker. And people are going to, their jaws are going to drop when they see this man. He's going to have the answers again. He's going to even be more empowered now. And now he's going to be able to do signs and wonders with all power. God's going to allow it. And the deception is going to be so great that everyone's going to wonder after the beast. What does it say in Revelation 13? Again, we're still in that midpoint, Revelation 10 through 15. So now in Revelation 13, what does it say about this beast from the sea who we know to be the Antichrist? It says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, or the sea of humanity, having seven hens. Heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and these are all kings and kingdoms. And on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon, meaning Satan, gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. Notice, his deadly wound was healed. This this one horn, this antichrist we know him to be. He's assassinated at some point in this mid-period, in the middle part of this tribulation period. Notice what it says. And all the world marveled and followed the beast, so they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who was like him? Who was able to make war with him? So he's resurrected by Satan himself. And then in verse 5 of Revelation 13 it says, And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for what? 42 months. The second half of the tribulation period. So he had the first three and a half, the midpoint, and now this last three and a half year period where he is going to be filled with Satan. With all power and lying wonders and signs. People are going to lose their minds over this guy. He's going to have everything. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. That's you and I. He's going to be blaspheming us because we're in heaven. His tabernacle, those who dwell in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Those on the earth at that time are going to be chastened. They're going to be actually persecuted. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life slain from the foundation of the world. Is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life slain from the foundation of the world? It's important that, he, that your name is. The only way to know for sure is to give your heart completely to Jesus. And your name will remain there. It is only when we take our last breath, when we have rejected Christ to the very end, that your name will be blotted out. And I pray that none of that, that, that never happens to any one of us in this room or those online anywhere in the earth. It's God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's not his will. He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. God wants you to live. And he wants you to live more abundantly. What does it say in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? You might want to just write this reference down. By the way, you can also review this online afterwards if you go to our website after the service. You can watch this over and over again. You can write these things down, kind of absorb some of that stuff, write it down. But Second Thessalonians chapter two also speaks of this antichrist during the midpoint period and beyond. Paul says to them, he says, "Now, brethren, verses chapter two, verse one, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had already come." Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. So the second coming of Christ is not going to happen unless there comes a falling away and the man of sin has to be revealed. Who opposes notice and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, so even Paul knew by revelation that this man, and certainly he was a student of the Bible, he knew the passage in Daniel about this abomination of desolation that would be set up in the temple, and Dan, and Paul now. Many years after, Daniel is now warning the saints of this very same thing. He says, Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he be taken out of the way. That's the Spirit of God within the church of Christ, which you and I are a part of. Amen? Amen? Smile. I know this is hard. <laughs> Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. We'll see that when we get to the end of Revelation in chapter 19, specifically verse 11. You're going to see Jesus coming back and he's going to destroy the demonic trinity, the Satan, the false prophet, and also the beast, the Antichrist he will destroy them with the brightness of his coming the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of satan with all power all power signs and lying wonders with and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because notice they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie and that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so that's the midpoint of this period of time that we're going to be embarking on. What about the second half? What happens in the second half of this? the last three and a half years of this seven-year period? Jesus tells us, again, back in Matthew 24, if we pick up right where we left off in verse 21, the second half is going to be the worst. In Matthew 24, verse 21, Jesus tells what this second half of the great tribulation is going to be like. And this corresponds to roughly Revelation 16 through chapter 18. What did Jesus say? He says, for then there shall be great tribulation. Yeah, I, I, would, I believe so. <laughs> it's going to be really tough. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, we've read this before, no flesh would be saved. It's going to be wicked. God's judgment on an ungodly world is going to be horrific, folks. And unless he unless he shortened that time, nobody would survive it. Nobody would survive it. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. I have told you beforehand, therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it, Jesus says. Because the next time you see Jesus, you're going to see him in the clouds. Does that make sense? You're not going to see him in Manhattan. You're not going to see him in Brooklyn at the Watchtower Society.
0: I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation.